Hi everyone and welcome to Your Sales MBA, the podcast where Jeff Hoffman and Cece Apparel answer your most challenging sales questions. This week's topic is a good one. Let's get started. When a prospect asks the ultimate question, so what do you do again? Do you start to panic and stumble over your words? Do you struggle with the right ways to truly explain your company and product in one sentence? Do you feel the pressure to wow your prospect with this one moment? This week's episode is all about elevator pitches. Jeff and Cece explain the true goal of an elevator pitch and how to deliver an effective and persuasive explanation without scaring your prospect away from the next call. Your Sales MBA starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Sales MBA, the podcast where we answer every single one of your sales trial and tribulations at every stage of the funnel. My name is Cece Apero, and that's Jeff Hoffman. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Cece. How you doing? I'm good. And we have some great questions, Jeff, today yeah. that I yeah. that I want to talk about. But before we jump in, I have to tell you a story. All right. So part of what we do, for those of you who haven't been through one of our trainings or maybe come to one of our public workshops, is Jeff and I spend some time talking at the front of every training about how everything that we teach, everything that we talk about, we do ourselves. And that remains true for all of the trainings that we do, but that's also true of the podcast. So Jeff, I was so happy the other day. I was on the phone with a prospect and I had been going back and forth with this guy for a while. And it was clear that he was ready to be my champion. He was definitely on Team Hoffman and he was starting to kind of give me some more insight into the organization. So I did what we've talked about on past podcast, I closed him to be my champion. And I asked him to be my champion. And guess what he said before I even went into my whole spiel. And if you haven't listened to that episode, <laughs> you have to. What, you know what, what he said say? to me? No. What do you I know he, he went, I know exactly what you're going to say. I just listened to the podcast on how to close a champion. Are you serious? <laughs> oh, that's so great. And I was like, you know what? Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, but I'm going to so do it anyway. That's and went through the entire spiel, and he agreed to be my champion. And it was the first time I've ever closed a champion where they knew how I was going to do it. I loved it. That's so great. It takes guts to do that. And I wasn't sure. Maybe the moral of the story is then for every listener, just start a podcast. Maybe that's the best way to close. That's awesome. And I joke about it, but it's true. I mean, words matter. And, you know, the only tool we get in our toolbox is our ability to communicate in this job. That's it. Our ability to understand people, our ability to communicate, our ability to how we use words, how we use language, how we write, how we listen. And when we speak in euphemisms, when we speak in generalities, when we say things like, so CC, um, are you ready to move forward? Are you ready to <laughs> go ahead with this? Are you ready to, is there anything getting in our way? These expressions are really soft. And yeah. People will respond like, Cece, you ready to move forward? And you'll say yes. And then I hang up the phone thinking this deals at the next sales stage. But it isn't. I mean, moving forward doesn't mean a lot. When you close someone for things, there's a world of difference between, hey, um, uh, will you help me find um, some um, interest at your, your organization for our services? That's one close. But yep. your close, which is, will you be my champion? And let me tell you what that means. I mean, the teeth on your clothes is so much sharper. And for all you listening, thinking, well, that's kind of awkward. You know, some of the strength in sales is our willingness to be awkward when others won't. 
I mean, it's an awkward relationship, this sales idea. We pretend it's something that it isn't. I think that's the awkward bit. I embrace right. the violence, right? I embrace the speed bumps. If it's weird, I'm going to get real weird. Because <laughs> if I can be confident in the middle of weirdness, well, people will let you drive. They'll let you steer. And I think you felt that a little with your prospect. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, that keeps us up perfectly for today's question. Because it's okay. all about language today. All about language. Oh, what a great segue. It's like I prepped you, except I didn't at all. So here we go. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's hear it. If anyone listening, I really don't read these questions until the podcast. I, I don't know, have any idea. Me. I, I have no through idea. them. I, I like to look at them. I like to see what questions that are coming down the pipe, figure out how we want to arrange them. But Jeff won't look at anything before we jump nope. on these. He's nope. doing them blind. I Do it live. Like prepping. I don't. I don't. I prep certain things. I don't like prepping for things like this. I don't like multitasking, you know that. I like to just, look, I'm in the mood for podcasting. We're going to answer some questions. And whatever I say is definitely what I believe. (laughs) (laughs) That is for sure. Okay. All right. This message or this email came from our friend Dan in Boston. Oh. Dan Dan said this. He said, hi there. What is your best elevator pitch advice? I need to know. Uh, I am a talker and I can't seem to figure out the best way to quickly explain my company's product to the prospect. We're a small startup in Boston selling to museums, cultural institutions, and big public attractions. Usually I'm reaching out to the head of member services or guest experiences. And whenever I'm asked by a prospect, quote, so what do you do? I find that I sound too rehearsed and I tend to stumble over the elevator pitch, which really doesn't leave a great first impression. Any guidance on how I can improve my elevator pitch? Thanks. This is a good one. It's a good one. Thanks, Dan. This is a really good one. And uh, you're not alone on that question. We've been really kind of led by our nose and it's a couple of different collections of salespeople and elevator pitches. The cartoon image of the elevator pitch, right, is that, you know, I'm getting in the elevator of the Empire State Building or 30 Rock, maybe in New York. And who walks on but the CEO of Deloitte? There I have a captive audience with this stranger of high influence and power. And somehow in the elevator ride up 30 Rock, I'm going to somehow say something so brilliant to this complete stranger that they're not going to get off on their designated floor. Rather, they're going to stay on that elevator because they're so enchanted with whatever I said. Well, that's a pretty high bar to set for yourself on writing something that, frankly, doesn't need to be that dramatic. (laughs) The first step, Dan, you know, recognize what the role of an elevator pitch is. The role of an elevator pitch for me and for others is less about selling and less about value propositions and less about explaining what you do. It's more about, there's really two places that they have real value. One is when you are in the early stages of your deal and you're doing some prospecting and someone asks, what do you do? Because they truly don't, you were surprising them when you called. They don't have any context. They weren't thinking about you. And we'll talk about that one in a moment. The other one though is generally comes from someone who is, looking to help you, looking to give you a better referral, put you in the right direction or give you information. So we get too cute with our elevator pitches. It's not really helping, you know, you kind of cross the bar over. So here's the number one objective of your elevator pitch, not to get them curious and crazy interested because good luck with that. You know, a short couple of sentences from a sales rep is probably not going to turn the battleship around. But what it does do, it gives you a runway to let that person know you're legit, you're real, you are all in on what you sell. 
that's what the purpose of it is. When someone says to me, what do you do? I take the you in the what do you do, and I make that a you about me, not about my company. And if you answer it that directly, you'll find, Dan, you'll have a lot more room to say something that probably reflects what you want to say anyway. It doesn't sound so strange. So imagine when the prospect says, I'm sorry, what do you guys do? Imagine what they're really saying is, so um, why do you work at this company? <laughs> if you were to answer that question, why do you work here? I think you're going to start to develop something a little bit stronger. But I'll give you a couple of other hacks as well that you could add into this. First, elevator pitches are less about what you do and, and more about what the results are after someone buys. People buy the post-sales experience. They don't buy the Mercedes hood ornament. They buy the view of what it's like to look over that hood ornament when they drive the brand new Mercedes off the car lot. That's what you're selling. So considering your elevated pitch to include elements of what happens to your prospect if they do buy. Also, do not be bashful about the use of hyperbole. Hyperbole is something we've talked about in other podcasts. We talk about it, we, especially because we're talking about communication and language. Hyperbole is an exaggeration where all parties know it's an exaggeration. It's not a lie. It's different. Hyperbole is not a lie. See, if, see, see, if you ask me, how was that hamburger you had last night at that new place? And I say, oh, my God, it's the best hamburger ever. I'm not lying, but it's not literal either. I'm not telling you, yes of all the hamburgers I've ever had. This is the best one of all time. No, I'm saying it's the best because I'm trying to impart on you it was delicious. And because you're an adult and you are sophisticated enough to understand that I'm exaggerating to make a point, you will shake your head up and down and go, oh, it sounds great. So the use of hyperbole, where it's like the only, the greatest, the best, these are really good elements to include in an elevator pitch. That's the second thing I'd do. And the third thing I consider doing with your elevator pitch, Dan, and everyone else listening, is make sure it's unique, particularly against competitors. If you write an elevator pitch that's so good that your competitor can steal it to talk about their own products, you wrote a terrible elevator pitch. Elevator pitches are largely ones that excite people or get them interested because it's something you do different from everyone else. So if you do those three things, you probably have a little bit of luck. Now, I know you work a lot with our clients on elevator pitch strategy and developing them. CC, what have you seen? Yeah, the third element that you just said is probably the biggest one. Whenever I'm working with a team and we talk about how do you make your pitch unique against competitors, that's when you start to see the light bulbs go off with people. And they start to think about the real, the, the language and the words that they're using. That's where I see the turning point in their pitches. It goes from using really fuzzy industry terms to getting them really focused and specific on the value that they deliver in the post-sales experience. And that's huge, right? Especially oh, when you're talking to someone in the first 30 seconds of a conversation and they're stopping you to ask you, I'm sorry, where are you calling from again? Or what do you guys do? Yeah. So, I mean, imagine, right? I mean, you're selling a technical product. I don't think you're going to want to have a lot of technical jargon in your elevator pitch. Elevator pitches are not going to get you a meeting. Elevator pitches are going to let people get engaged with you in a deeper way. They're going to be able – the idea is this. When you're talking to a prospect, you're talking to that person hoping to excite them and engage them and find their interest, find what you're saying interesting, while at the same time you're trying to learn about their context and learn about their desires and learn about their wants and learn about their needs and learn about their pain. So you got a pretty long laundry list of things you want to have happen. The customer, however, the prospect, 
When they look at a sales rep, what do they see? They see someone who's going to be annoying, someone who's not going to listen, <laughs> someone who's bugging them, someone who interrupted them, and someone who takes 50 words to describe something you could do in three. So consider your elevator pitch build to be in, the, in front of someone who hasn't decided yet if they like you, but probably doesn't like you yet. <laughs> the idea of it being around, look, this is why I work at this company as an answer, you're going to wind up describing elements of your company that you find interesting, and that's authentic. No one's buying off the elevator pitch, but they might be buying you off the mm. elevator pitch. You're probably using it to cl- – I've never given an elevator pitch at a meeting, never. But I've given thousands of elevator pitches in anticipation of getting a meeting. So right. it's to get them like, I'll give this guy a half an hour or I'll give this guy 15 minutes of it. If you were to just cross that hurdle – I think your elevator pitch is brilliant. Don't rely on marketing to build this pitch either. Marketing builds messages inclusively, trying to get everyone to join the party, which makes sense from a marketing perspective. Sales is not inclusive. Sales is exclusive, meaning the only person I'm talking to right now is you. And the only thing I'm thinking about right now is you. And the only context I'm considering right now is you. It is exclusively about you. So if you write elevator pitches that are super, super broad, they're not going to land well. But if you have an elevator pitch where you're specifically calling out why you like where you work and think about the easy pivot that you can, when that person's eyes start to widen a little, say, let me ask you, why do you work where you work? And then it kind of challenges them to say something nice about where they work what you just did about where you work. And it's amazing how quickly that'll get mirrored. And all of a sudden, this elevator pitch became a moment where two people are bragging about where they work. And that's a nice start <laughs> to most calls. Did you know that most cold emails have a response rate between 0.5 and 0.9%? That means in less than 1% of the time, your prospects are opening, reading, and replying to your messages. Messages that you probably spent a lot of time creating. Not ideal when you have a pipeline to fill and numbers to hit, but we at Hoffman are here to help. In just one day, you can learn the do's and don'ts when it comes to cold calling and emailing your prospects. With a proven track record of success and response rates over 20%, we're giving you everything you need to be successful. Our workshops range from prospecting and crafting the perfect email, to negotiating for what you want, delivering the perfect close, and running an effective pipeline review. In every workshop, you'll learn the skills needed to master these techniques and leave with the confidence to crush your quota. Send us an email at workshops at sellhoffman.com or visit our website to get more information and see what city we'll be in next. Happy selling, everyone. And Jeff, let's talk about one thing, though, because Dan said something really interesting in his email. He said, I find that whenever I'm answering that question, I sound too rehearsed. But I do think that there is an element of being rehearsed that's super important when you are delivering your elevator pitch. Oh, I, you love agree? I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't always want to sound rehearsed, but whenever I get the choice of sounding rehearsed, like, I prefer a sales pipe, a sales cycle where 75% of what I'm saying I give the appearance that I've said it before. And you might be thinking, well, that doesn't sound very good. That sounds kind of scripted. Well, not if you do it well, because if I say something multiple times, so it gets really comfortable in my muscle memory, then when I say what I do to someone in that kind of quick confidence, 
it has a different impact. And the impact is, oh my God, this guy has said this before. And in persuasion, that's called social proofing. If I say something to UCC, you've never met me before, and I say something about myself, my company, whatever, one of the things that's going to run through your brain while you decide if what you think I'm saying is truthful or interesting or not, one of the things you're going to consider is, has this guy ever said this before? And if the answer is yes, clearly he said it before based on how comfortable he was with saying it, then it implies that he said this to other people and has had success with saying it. Because only a fool would say something multiple times where it fails every time. <laughs> so I'm with you. The element that Dan mentioned about sometimes he feels rehearsed, I'd argue, well, you're probably right to call that out. Because if you feel rehearsed, it's going to sound bad. I want you to be fully throated rehearsed. I want it to sound like the same way you say it every time. The best place to practice elevator pitches, and I know we're going to do a future podcast on this. The best place to practice elevator pitches without a doubt is at networking events. Yep. Because there's no penalty for error. And you can literally give your elevator pitch 30 times in half an hour if you want to. I mean, you can give it to the bartender if you want to. It's such an easy place to do it. So rehearse the heck out of it, Dan, because I think that's going to make it stronger. I totally agree. I also have one other piece of advice that I give every team I work with on this subject. When you are writing your elevator pitch, write it in a way that either your child or your grandmother could understand. I think there is something to be said for using words that are simple and elegant because those are the ones that land when you get too technical, as we talked about earlier, people walk away from that elevator pitch and they go something like, like interesting or got yeah. it. But that's a death up, sentence. I want to offer up a little change of the bookends. All right. I like it, but I want to bring the South bookend from child to college student. And I want to bring All grandmother, right, I want to bring grandmother to your aunt. Okay. Fair. But I hear you. I think it needs to be sophisticated enough for an audience If it's too simplistic, it's not interesting enough. At the same time, and I never think that my, whenever I give an elevator pitch or phone call or whatever, my assumption is always the same. I always assume people I talk to are smarter than me. So I never worry about dumbing things down. But you're right. The simple words, the simple expressions, that's what people hook on to. Nike launched an entire industry with three words, just do it. They did not launch an industry with Nike, the world's greatest manufacturer of athletic footwear and apparel. Right. That's not an elevator pitch that won Nike a lot of uh, wins. All right, Jeff. I have one more question for you on this one. We got to get tactical here for our friend Dan. How long should it be? I'm always a 30-second runway guy with these little things. I think 30 seconds, give or take, is where you go. I think it's the right length for a voicemail. I think it's the right length for an introduction. I think it's the right length for an elevator pitch. 30, 40 seconds is probably about right. If you have a great one that's longer, close them for permission to use more than 30 seconds. Someone says to you, what do you do? Or what are you guys about? And your elevator pitch that you love is a minute. I'll be happy to tell you, but it takes me a minute. You have a minute? And I don't mm. laugh or whatever. But the idea is that by you getting closure on the bookends or the finish line for these conversations, you'll calm down when you say it. Because if your elevator pitch is too long, the customer's going to be fine with it. But you won't be. Because as you start to talk, particularly if you're giving an elevator pitch on the phone, you start getting beyond 30 seconds. And the only thing you're hearing on the phone is silence because they're listening to you. You're going to freak out and you're going to think they're not listening and you're going to wind up talking too fast. 
So if you're going to have a long elevator pitch, get permission to use it so you can breathe when you read it. I think we could talk about this topic all day long. This is one of that our That would be a horribly about. long elevator ride. It would be. I mean, <laughs> for something that's meant to be so short and sweet, we could talk about this for days. So, Dan, I hope that you found this to be helpful. And if you have follow-up questions, if anyone else is out there thinking about their elevator pitch or how to use vocabulary and use their words to resonate with the person on the other end of the phone, send us a message because we love talking about this stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right. Jeff, we've got to give them something that they should be thinking about this week. What's the one thing that everyone needs to be doing okay. right now that's going to impact uh, this their pipeline? This is for everyone. This is right on the heels of this elevator pitch and, and talking about communication. Okay. Whether you go to an old bookstore or you go to Amazon or any of your favorite websites or even do it online, look for one of those calendar reminders where you learn a vocabulary word every day. Ooh. And I'll tell you why. Great communicators understand the path of what language to use and when. There are roughly, I'm probably going to get a lot of text on this and so get this wrong. I think there's like two or 300,000 words in English, 200,000 words, 150,000, some huge number, probably going to get a bunch of emails about how wrong I am. But yeah, I think it's like 100, 200,000 words. The <laughs> average college graduate, which is the lion's share of our customers, has a vocabulary, though, of about 12,000 words, 10,000 words. So about a tenth of the dictionary, we all know the words to. However, the same college graduate has a working vocabulary of about six or 7,000 words, about half that. Now, working vocabulary are words that we use all day. So the example I'll give is always the word sparkle. Sparkle is a word we all know. It's not a word we use very often. Sparkle right. is one of those words that lives in the world of the words we know, 10, 12,000, but not words we use every day, north of six or 7,000. The trick in these kind of vocabulary quizzes or guides or self-help things to get better at this is not to learn fancy words that no one understands. It's to use words like sparkle in a way that makes sense because by using and practicing new words in your vocabulary, they become anchors. I got news for you. You can't use the word value anymore in sales. If you haven't figured that out already, I'll be the first to tell you. The word has been butchered to death. We can no longer effectively use the word value. It has been sent out to the vocabulary death area with words like synergy and double click and these terrible phrases that we continually use that we render them meaningless because of their use. So really think about building the vocabulary muscle. It's an easy thing to do. And what you do is you get these words and you challenge yourself to use them in a conversation a couple of times that day. And some of these words are going to stick and then you're going to get more creative and more interesting to your buyer. So that's my thing to do today idea. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to go out and buy one this afternoon. That's very jejun of you. Got to do it. <laughs> Got to do it. Don't know what that means, but I'm going to do it. That's right. Well, I'm already, I'm, well, I'm in June, so I'm already, I count for two months. <laughs> I guess. Well, I'm, I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any questions on anything sales related, or maybe it's about sales in your real life, I don't know, send it our way. We are loving the questions we're getting and we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks so much and happy selling. Happy selling. 
for listening to this week's episode of Your Sales MBA. Remember to send us your sales questions at podcast at sellhoffman.com, or you can even tweet us at Your Sales MBA Pod. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you can be the first ones to get Jeff and Cece's expert sales tips delivered right to your earbuds every week. Happy selling, everyone.